Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is a bookend brought to you by Quail Ridge Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's trusted community bookstore. My guest today is Mark Lanigan. He is a musician, a singer with a fabulous solo career that has both paralleled and outlived his time as the front man for The Screaming Trees. His book is Sing Backwards and Weep, a memoir which is published by our friends at Hachette. Mark, welcome to the program. Thanks, man. Yes, yeah, an honor to have you here. And Mark, um... These interviews air on Mondays. I'm not sure when this one's going to air, but today's Thursday. I just found out that we were going to be doing this interview two days ago on Tuesday, so I've spent the last 48 hours living your book, and holy shit, man, I feel like I've been through it. I mean, um, let me just say before we dive into questions, Mark, that I'm grateful that you're alive. Um, So Yeah, me too. Yeah, absolutely. So this book, uh, Sing Backwards and Weep, starts with you riding in a taxi cab and the cab driver is warning you that the police undercover police are following you have drugs your friend has drugs heavy drugs you're caught you're detained and then the cops realize who you are they let you go but not before having you sign a photo of someone who is suspected of another crime someone that looks like you let me ask you why did you choose to open the book with this scene uh well, a friend of mine tried to talk me to write this book, and uh, I really didn't think I didn't think uh, I didn't think I wanted to. And he said, "Just write a prologue. Any of the stories that you got, like for instance that story that you're talking about, which I told him, mm-hmm. and uh, he was a best-selling writer, and he said." send me that prologue and I'll tell you if uh, if you can do it or not and I sent him that and he just wrote back you're doing it mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why I opened the book with it just exactly as I sent it to him yeah great well it was good advice uh, Mark thank you so much and I'd like to ask you now um, about your parents you write of your mother as a domineering figure who you cannot coexist with without confrontation and your father is not lackadaisical but he is loving forgiving and he's described as sort of a a live and let live kind of guy can you tell us about your parents and how they influenced this story which is your story oh wow well um you know I guess you can draw inspiration from a lot of places and somebody once said the resentment is a good motivator you know my mother was the type of person that pretty much daily told me what a piece of shit I was and mm. that I would never succeed that kind of person mm-hmm. um, so I kind of did succeed in spite of her and in spite of myself mm. my father you know, like you said, he was just a living that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He was just happy if I wasn't in jail. And uh, I think he's still happy. He's 86. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, moving forward, when you were a child 
You used to steal candy bars from a convenience store and then sell them at school for a profit. Uh, I wondered as I read this if this was just you being a good capitalist, a uh, capitalist with a capital C, or if this was sort of gateway behavior that eventually led you towards the drug trade. Uh, was this behavior something you learned, or do you think it's something that was always with you? I think I came out of the box with it. Hmm. I mean, I, I definitely was not an easy kid to, uh, to parent, that's for sure. Right. So, um, moving forward, uh, as you get a little bit older, can you talk to us about the moment that you went to your hometown's comic book store, which also doubled as a record shop, and discovered Iggy Pop and then the Sex Pistols? Yeah, I was a, you know, I collected comic books as a kid, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't really pay attention to you know, the rest of the store, and it was mainly records. It was kind of, kind of like a, you know, in, interior was sort of like a, uh, just a really jam-packed, like antique shop or junk store that you might see nowadays. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I just basically stayed in the small comic book department, and then one day, I was on my way out, and back in those days, if if a uh, if a magazine didn't sell, they would tear the uh, the top off of it, and um, they uh, would put a stack up by the door. You could get it for free, and I picked up a copy of Cream magazine, and there was Iggy Pop on the front cover, but I didn't know who he was. Mm. I just thought he looked strange, and I was always into you know anything that looked strange. Um, that's that's the way I came out of the box as well and uh, I asked the the hippie dude who ran the store who that was he said it's Iggy Pop asked if I wanted to hear it and he played uh, 7 Inch EP I think it was Sing the Time Tight Pants and one other tune and that kind of hooked me right there and then he showed me a 12-inch single of Anarchy UK, and he played that. I went home, and the next day I brought in all my comic books and traded them in for uh, credit on records. And that was the start of my obsession with music. Nice. Uh, What was your favorite comic book before that? Um... I had, I think, a number one was Silver Surfer. Uh-huh. worth quite a bit of money back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I had all of those. Uh, I liked Submariner. Uh, I had all the Howard the Ducks. <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember that. Nice. I had a mitten collection of Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool, man. Thank you so much. Um, so, Mark, I'm interested in Mark Lanigan, the baseball player. Uh, baseball, you write, was your very first love. Um, by all accounts, you were very good at playing baseball. Your high school home economics teacher may have derailed a major league career. Uh, can you talk about your love for baseball, how you were taken out of the game, and maybe the power that some of these high school teachers have uh, to change someone's life, both for the better and the worse? Yeah, I mean, you know, I probably never would have gone on to play baseball because my I couldn't have played college ball. Uh, my my uh, my 
grade point average was, you know, below a D minus, so basically I was failing already. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I probably wouldn't have continued on, but I did love baseball. I did enjoy playing it. It was, uh, GPS. Um, sorry about that. Um, yeah, I, uh, I failed my home economics class my senior year, and so I was, I was only passing three classes the previous semester uh, before baseball season, and you had, to, you had to pass at least four. And my home economics teacher, after the season had already started, let it be known that I failed the class and I was ineligible. And then she offered to, my baseball coach made a deal with her, offered to let me retake the class, but in the mornings before school. And the first day I went to do it, you know, at like 7 a.m. or whatever, mm. she basically blasted me, um, said she was sorry for my poor father, who was also a teacher at my high school, because he had such a rotten son. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's still a home economics teacher at my high school because my sister works there. Oh, well. um, but uh, yeah, I changed the name mm. in the book. But uh, yeah, she she really disliked me, um, which was a bit of a shock because I didn't I didn't cause problems in the class. I just didn't do anything. And to pass the end of the year, uh, they had a an assignment where you had to sew something and I chose the easiest thing which was a pair of gaiters which was something that he used to wear around where I grew up if you went skiing it was just like this nylon you know sort of sock with no foot that went over your shin to keep the snow out of your boots so it was basically like two pieces of nylon sewed together and that was completely outside my realm mm-hmm. and uh, I was unable to finish it just like I was unable to finish my assignment in shop class which was making a boot jack which people used to take their boots off where I grew up Hmm. and that was basically you know nailing three pieces of wood together Mm -hmm. Um, not very very good with technical stuff even the most basic of assignments you know over my head right thank you so much Mark um I want to move back to music for a moment. You lived with punk rock for a while, um, and you had eventually had the opportunity to join a band as a senior. And around this time, you discovered the album After the Gold Rush by Neil Young. Can you talk to us about After the Gold Rush and why it was such an important record to you? Well, it was the only one that I owned for a while. Mm-hmm. I had a cassette of it. And that was, I think... Uh, I had lost everything that I owned up until that point. That was the first time I found myself without any possessions or mm-hmm. without a really decent living situation. I was living in a terrible like studio apartment that didn't have a kitchen and didn't have a bathroom. It was down the hall in a shared bathroom. Um, and I was pretty depressed. The only cassette I had was after the gold rush, so I listened to it all the time. Eventually, I was able to get Harvest, too. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. But, uh, you know, it was my companion through Rough Catch. Right, and um, 
as a bit of a follow-up you later uh in your life and in your book make a judgment on i believe it's liam gallagher from oasis uh you make a judgment on his character based on his treatment of neil young um amongst other things can you talk about this moment (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i wasn't actually there to see him Mm. read to neil but i heard from another guy i was on the tour that he was Mm. but i I didn't really need a reason to Mm. you know just like Liam Gallagher because he was he was a prick to me as well but yeah I found that uh, that was that was not rage I couldn't couldn't abide <laughs> yeah, no doubt, as you shouldn't. Um, thank you so much, Mark. Listeners, we are going to take a short break for a word from our sponsor, and then I will be right back with Mark Lanigan. The Book and Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story. One that supports community. Listeners of Bookin can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter Bookin, B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Mark Lanigan, author of Sing Backwards and Weep, published by our friends at Hachette. Mark, I grew up with Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, The Screaming Trees, providing the soundtrack to um, my formative years. I saw you on the Lollapalooza tour where uh, Josh was playing guitar with you at a drag strip in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina, uh, Rockingham is the name of the town. Um, So I'd like to ask you about some of this now. You discovered Nirvana when they were playing a gig in a library and you became an immediate fan and then befriended Kurt Cobain. You paint a picture of Kurt unlike one I have ever read and that is a picture of Kurt as yes a genius songwriter but also of Kurt as just a guy who was your friend uh, can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Kurt Cobain well um, you kind of just covered it mm-hmm. my friend Dylan Carlson um, who actually is here at my house right now mm-hmm. getting ready to do some recording Nice. Was uh, was Kurt's best friend, and he asked me if I would go down and meet his friend. He was playing a show at the library in my hometown and because he was a fan of uh, my band, and I said sure. And uh, the show was cut short because the timing, small town timing mess up typical of where I grew up so they only got to play like three songs and then they cut the power on him and I remember uh, Nova Sully just tossing his bass up to the ceiling and catching it with one hand over and over again um but uh yeah I met her in the parking lot and we exchanged numbers and I recognized right away as they started playing that it was something special it uh, grabbed me, and that was the start of our relationship. 
you know, we ended up having a couple long conversations on the phone that same week. You know, we just started hanging out. Mm-hmm. And that lasted uh, you know, for, uh, right up until when he uh, passed away. Right, thank you so much, Mark. And um, speaking of Kurt, there is perhaps no character arc in your book other than your own that flips more than that of Courtney Loves. Um, she starts off of someone who's kind of annoying the hell out of you because she won't stop talking when you were trying to shoot her up. And then she becomes someone who seeks you out and sends you to rehab, and I believe, if I'm understanding correctly, funds your uh, rehabilitation. Can you talk to us about... Um, the story of Courtney Love as it pertains to the life of Mark Lanigan? Um, well, you know, I met her when she married Kurt, and I, uh, you know, was somebody that was hanging around their place quite often. After Kurt passed away, and I uh, ended up spending more time with her and, you know, running errands for her and this and that. And, uh, you know, she was pretty over the top, as is well documented. And I'm pretty uh, low-key. I'm not somebody who likes to be the object of attention. Uh, especially in those days because you know, drawing attention meant possible uh, you know, be, possibly being noticed by the police or you know, people that you didn't want noticing you mm-hmm. and so I did my best to avoid her at some point and ended up you know, just sort of removing myself from her sphere and then when I was had really no other option I had to get out of town um, and I remember that she had left something at this pawn shop where I went all the time. The owner was a friend of mine. She had left this information about this uh, uh, music charity called MAP that uh, put people in music to rehab or you know help them out if they uh, had substance abuse issues or health issues and I ended up getting out of town the very next day and like you said she funded funded my continued uh, rehab and that of other people I knew as well she's you know was big hearted and um, in many ways I, I owe my life to her Right, thank you so much, Mark. Um, changing gears for just a moment, were you really going to murder your sister over a sleeping bag? <laughs> and it's so ridiculous that people <laughs> threaten to murder somebody and they have no intention of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think I threatened murder a lot. I really didn't have any intention of murdering her. I could have, though. Made me pretty angry. Nobody can make you as angry as the people that you care about. Right. Very true. Um, 
Thank you, Mark. Um, you you describe one of your album's influences as 50% Astral Weeks by Van Morrison and 50% Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. Um, I love Van Morrison. My four-year-old son's named Van, but I want to ask you about Blood Meridian. I love that book. It was the first book I read by Cormac McCarthy, and I've since read the rest of them. Um, what is it about Blood Meridian that drew you in and inspired you? Wow. Well, it's just, I hadn't ever read anything like it before. Um, a girlfriend of mine gave it to me. And that, and I think Jesus the Son, the way uh, Dennis Johnson, mm. were the two books that sort of made a, an impact on me. Um, that one just so expansive and covers so much around such a long time frame and it's you know I think it's I think it's the uh, I think the, the second title to it is something like the evening redness in the sky mm-hmm. and it's something about I think maybe it's in the liner notes or the description of the book about transformation via violence Anyway, it's so violent, and uh, the descriptions in it are so, you know, so otherworldly and beautiful. Even when you're reading about, you know, a tree that's covered with dead babies, or you know, just the scene after scene of this crazy violence written in such a beautiful way that uh, just made an impact on me. I've read it several times too. As soon as I was done reading it, I started reading it again. And then I took a break to read a couple of his own books and then I went back to it. Eventually I read all of his books. But that's the one that, you know, stuck with me. And since then, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that that's their favorite book. Right. Would you say that the um, that the judge is one of the great dark literary characters? Absolutely. My favorite character is Toadvine. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, the singles soundtrack. This was important for you and your band, The Screaming Trees, for many reasons, both good and bad. And I won't tell that story here but I will ask you uh, did the Smashing Pumpkins belong on that soundtrack? Oh I, I think whoever's on there belongs on it um, you know that's a, that's a question for somebody who works in the in the record business I can't remember I, I think if they were on Sony that belonged on there it was all I think it was pretty much all Sony bands Although I'm not really sure about that, actually I'm wrong because I've got a sound garden was on it, and not Sony. But I think Sony put it out, and so a lot of their bands were on it. Of course, we weren't on it until the very last minute. It came to put us on it. So it started struggling by Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, thank you, Mark. And finally. 
One other person who is sort of steeped in mysticism and pop culture um, history who is painted anew in your book, for me at least, is Lane Staley. Uh, Lane, for listeners that are unfamiliar, was the singer of legendary Seattle band Alice in Chains. Mark, can you tell us about Lane Staley, your friend, and then maybe tell us why you ended your book with him? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mark. And thank you so much for writing this book. It's so honest and heartfelt and true, and it sheds light on these people that many of my peers grew up listening to and thinking about and that we still think about um, every day. So thank you so much for writing it. I've been speaking with Mark Lanigan, author of Sing Backwards and Weep, published by our friends at Hachette. Mark, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Once again, I would like to thank Mark Lanigan for joining me. Copies of Sing Backwards and Weep can be ordered at www.quailridgebooks.com for free shipping. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Libro FM Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get two months of audiobooks for the price of one and support your favorite local independent bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jefferies, and this has been Bookin'.